0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to
1: subscribe.
0: Great. Good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is CJ, and um, I have the privilege of serving here at Every Nation Rosebank, and this morning, the privilege of sharing the word with you. <laughs> So we are in work, week three of our Financial Glow Up series. Um, we're talking about generosity and what does the Bible have to say about what I do with my finances. And it's um, and not smart. Cool. <laughs> so uh, first week, um, we had Pastor Shola sharing with us, and he was talking about the call to obedience, um, that God has blessed us, but when we are obedient to God, he blesses us even more. And then last week we had Nongkuru sharing with us um, about uh, money and God. What does God say about our money, about tithing, and how we actually utilize it? And this week we are talking about money and the mission. So what does God say about our money, and what does it have to do with this mission that he has given us? Um, Cool, so our scripture this morning is going to be from Deuteronomy 9. And um, just kind of set the scene for you. Um, The Israelites have spent 400 years in slavery, and um, God came and miraculously uh, delivered them from that space, and then they spent um, 40 years in the wilderness because they were a rebellious, stiff-necked, and disobedient people, and God needed to do some work on their hearts, and he needed a generation to come out who was ready to take the promised land. And um, so this is the place they are. Moses has passed over his mantle to Joshua, and Joshua is going to lead the people in, and uh, today is the day, the day has come that they are finally going to start the process of taking the land. So we're going to read from Deuteronomy 9, verse 1 to 5. Here, O Israel, you are to cross over to the Jordan today, to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the sons of the Anakim, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anakim? Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. Do not stay in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you. It is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are they being driven out before you. Are uh, you going in to possess their land. But because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out from before you, and that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So um, the Israelites had a mission. Their mission was to go in and establish the kingdom of Israel in the land that God had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Okay, That was their goal. That's what all of this had been leading up to. That's what they're doing. Likewise, we have a mission. In Genesis 1 verse 28, God gives Adam a mandate. Um, In 28 it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when Pastor Sholo shared last week, he shared with us the same scripture, and he was pointing out that God blessed Adam and Eve before they did a single thing right and before they did a single thing wrong they were blessed and the blessing stands Then he gave them a mission go into all the world and subdue it take my kingdom eden what i have prepared for you here and establish it in the entire the rest of the world and that was their mission and i like you know when god blessed them he was giving them everything they needed to fulfill the mission In the same way that before God sent the Israelites over the Jordan, he said, I'm going before you as a consuming fire. I've got this. Just do what I ask you to do. But he gave them everything they needed to fulfill the mission. So coming back to Genesis, we know that Adam and Eve kind of made a tiny little mistake, right? Just a little one. (laughs) They messed up big. (laughs) So God enacted his redemption plan um, to restore us back into relationship with him. So um, Jesus came and he lived the life we should have lived and then he died the death we should have died for the sins that we committed and the life we didn't live so that we could be restored back into relationship with God. He then turns to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. He says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we kind of see a bit of a familiar pattern, right? Uh, Once again, Jesus has said, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine, and I'm giving it to you, and you're going to go in my name with that authority. So He's given them everything they need, and then he's given them the mission. The mission is establish my kingdom in all the earth. The mission's never changed. It's always been the same, and God has always given us everything we need to fulfill the mission. So we have a mission, we have a purpose, to know God and to make him known. And um, we advance the kingdom by um, the way that we spend our time, the way we spend our talents, and the way we spend our treasure. Matthew 6 verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you wanna know if you have the heart for the mission, if you've been captured by what God is asking you to do, follow the money. Ask yourself, where am I spending my time? Where am I spending my talents? Where am I spending my money? And then you'll know, have, I, have God caught my heart? Do I understand the mission? If we don't grasp that understanding what the mission is, or what our purpose is, if we don't understand what it is, we will always misappropriate our time, our talents, and our money. We will never use it the way God has intended us to, because we haven't grasped what our purpose is. So how do we fulfill the mission? We've been talking a lot over the last three weeks, and Zach was here just now, talking about our social responsibilities, right? And these are evidence that the mission is here, because each and every single one of these things we do establishes God's kingdom in the hearts and the lives of the people we minister to. So I'm not going to go through them because hopefully you've been paying attention over the past three weeks or this morning. Um, But I'm going to share about Malibongwe. So uh, Malibongwe is is the ministry for young, um, well not necessarily young, but single mothers to upskill them so they can get better jobs and to um, help them start their own businesses and um, just training them in that way. In 2019, I had the opportunity to shadow them. I was doing an assignment for university, and I shadowed them for a couple of weeks. And during those weeks was um, when the xenophobic kind of attacks started up in Joburg again, and it was quite bad. And uh, the the group that made up that particular year's class of Manibongwe was a mix of South Africans and um, non-South Africans. And there was tension within the group, between the South Africans and the non-South Africans. And then the non-South African women were living in terror. For a couple of weeks, they didn't come because they were too afraid to leave their apartments. They were too afraid to take taxis because they were scared that they'd be victims of violence. And in that space, I got to watch the people who are working at Malibongwe minister, first to the South Africans, to teach them how God views foreigners, how he asks us to treat foreigners, and um, to minister into their places of hurt and their places of resentment and then to minister to the non-South Africans in their place of fear, um, of uncertainty, of concern for their well-being and for their um, incomes. And that establishes God's kingdom. That is what God has called us to do, to come and speak his truth and his life um, into these places that we struggle with um, and to see his kingdom established that way. The other way is, is through missions. Uh, which I'll talk about in a moment. But we fulfill the mission whenever we establish God's kingdom, when we give of our time to minister to people. So all of these special responsibilities, people are giving up their time um, to minister to people and to serve them and to um, vol- very often volunteer and and bring assistance there. When we show people kindness, when we show them generosity, when we show them God's love, when we speak God's truth to them, we are establishing God's kingdom. We are fulfilling the mission. It demonstrates the generosity of our generous God who gave up his one and only son to die for us. There is no greater generosity than that. And that is what we demonstrate every single time we are generous because we reflect who God is. So Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38 and says, "Uh, when he saw the crowds, and it's Jesus, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, go pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We are called to go each and every single one of us, we are not called to stay inside our holy little huddles and live in the Garden of Eden. We are called and created to take that out into the rest of the world. Going can look like different things, right? It can look like sharing the love of Jesus with your grumpy grandfather, who's an atheist, okay? That's my grandfather, I don't know about yours, but that's what it can look like. It can look like going to your neighbor Um, I heard a story recently this week of a woman who was carrying a heart for um, one of the East African nations. And this nation is particularly violent, and not exactly conducive to a single white woman going on her own. I don't think it's conducive to anybody going on their own. Um, So the doors aren't opening for her, but she's sitting there with this huge burden for this nation. And in discussing this with people, somebody said to her, hang on a second, isn't there a refugee camp down the road from you filled with these people? And she said, you know what, there is. So going can look like going down the road yeah. because you never know who you're ministering to, that you established the kingdom in them, they might go back to their nation and establish God's kingdom. Um, so even if you have a burden for a nation, look for opportunities of where can I share, where can I serve these people if I'm not able to go yet? Um, and then who else can you go to? You can go to your colleagues, you can go to your family, you can go to your neighbors. But one way or another we are called to go and that's the call we need to answer we also support those who go Um, we have missionaries we send out missionaries from every nation so recently we released matilda from the service to go she is on her way to south korea she's just making some stops so she's in cape town serving with um dennis and nikki neville and nearly merged those names Um, So she's there, and I was talking to her earlier this week, and she was saying she was linking up um, someone on her team with someone here at Rosebank to accomplish something. I can't remember what it was, but it's not the point. What she said was she suddenly realized in that moment that everybody who has poured into her life, everybody who is available to her, has gone with her, because part of what she does is part of what she's learned as well. And the think people she knows and the contact she's made allows her to serve and to do the things that God has called her to do. And I was talking to Massey. Masi and I support Matilda. Um, we're part of her, her ministry partnership. And um, Masi was saying, I'm in Cape Town with Matilda. Well, she's not. She's here. <laughs> she's in Joburg. But she was saying the same thing, that for her, she feels like she's in Cape Town with Matilda. When she hears what Matilda is doing, she feels like she's a part of it because she supports what Matilda does. Every single person who supports Matilda is a part of what she does. And when she goes to South Korea, we will be there with her because we're partnered with her and we're a part of what she is doing to establish God's kingdom. We have 10-day missions as well, right? And these are great because when we go on mission, um, we go to give we go to bless and yet we come back more blessed. Because God's kingdom does not work like the world's kingdom. The world's kingdom says when I spend, I lose. God's kingdom says when you give, you get, you gain. And the more we give, the more God blesses us. And that's not why we give. We give because God is a great God and we love him and he has done so much for us already. And if he never did another thing for me tomorrow, it wouldn't change the fact that I already owe him everything. But he's a good and he's a generous God, so he continues to give. So some of the ways that we give, I said, um, was we give of our time, our talents, and our money. So earlier this week, on Thursday, I was going to meet somebody for coffee, and it was a little bit early, but I wanted to get there because I was nervous and I wanted to have this coffee. And on my way, for once, I got waylaid by the um, World Wildlife Fund people. Um, I usually try everything I can to avoid any of these little pockets, whether it's charities or salespeople, because I'm a complete and utter sucker, and I can't say no, and my budget does not have capacity for these things. So, um, unfortunately, she caught me off guard, and she's, they were, obviously, they're asking for financial contributions, so I was like, I'm really sorry, but I actually already give to other charities. And she's like, oh, what are they? Obviously, thinking that I give to green things, and I was like, well, actually, I give to missionaries. <laughs> and her eyes went big, and she's like, are you serious? And I was like, um, yes, why? (laughs) She's like, is this something that you you do, like the church does? Like, where do you find out about this? And she started asking me a bunch of questions. And in our conversation, I mentioned that I work for the church. And she's like, oh, what do you do? I mean, guys, what I do is not glamorous. (laughs) This is not what I do. What I do is administration. Um, So I was like, no, I'm an administrator in discipleship. And these are the things we do. We establish, um, we engage, we establish, we equip, and we empower people to be disciples. She fell to the ground and she started crying. (laughs) And I was amazed. I was like, are you okay? Is everything right? Are you sick? What's wrong? Like, I didn't understand. All I told her was what we do. And something in her heart was touched because she's been looking for a spiritual home that holds the values that she's looking for. And this is the thing about our time. We need to allow God to inconvenience us. Because there are people who need to hear about his kingdom so his kingdom can be established. In Matthew 9, Jesus is busy teaching to the people. And uh, a ruler comes up to him and says, My daughter has died, but I know that if you come, you'll heal her and she'll live again. And Jesus doesn't go, Listen, buddy, I'm in the middle of my 10-point sermon. Can you just hold on a second? The Bible says Jesus arose, and him and his disciples, they went. So Jesus has now been interrupted. He was preaching. Someone comes. Jesus attends to the interruption. On his way to the ruler's house, a woman touches his cloak and she's instantly healed of bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus stops, and he ministers to her. And what I love about this is it's the interruption of an interruption. How willing was he to be inconvenienced and interrupted? Not once, but twice. And both times he stopped. He ministered to the woman, then he went on to the ruler's house, and he raised the little girl from death. How willing are you to be inconvenienced. How precious is your time? Is it the Father's time or is it your time? Because the truth of the matter is, God is the author of time. Not you, it's not your time, it is His time. And God is so good that when we give our time to Him, we somehow still manage to have an abundance of time. Because He is the God of time. But the question is if you wanna follow, find your heart ask yourself, am I willing to be inconvenienced for God's kingdom so that it can be established? And if not, you got some work to do. We all do, because I did not want to be inconvenienced by the lady from WWF. We give of our talents. So a couple of years ago, I was just trying to decide what I wanted to do for my second degree. And I wanted it to to be something I was passionate about, something that I was excited for and that was useful. And when I was doing some self-reflection, I realized that one of the most common things I hear from people is, I never tell anybody this, why am I telling you? And when I realized that that was a pattern in my life, I realized that my gift was to help people feel comfortable and open up and be vulnerable. And that what that did is it had provided me spaces to speak into people's lives. So I thought, I'll do psychology counseling and I'll get the information I need to do this properly. And that's what I did. All of us have talents. All of us have gifts, things that we are good at, and that things that God has put inside of us. In Exodus 34, verse 4 to 5, Moses said to the congregants of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. And the rest of the scripture, um, the Israelites bring everything that they have, because God wants to build his tabernacle. He wants to dwell amongst the people. So he's giving a call to come bring the resources needed. And in that scripture, they talk about the skilled people who were able to take thread and make woven cloth, the people who were able to take um, gold, silver, and bronze and wrought it into things like the altar of sacrifice, the Ark of the Covenant, the, the lampstands, all those things you read about in those, in those scriptures in Exodus that made the temple. And it also talks about two specific men who um, the Bible describes as being filled with the Holy Spirit and gifted with much knowledge and much skill and a desire to teach their skill to others. We all have skills and we have talents. The question is, how are you using them? My dad, um, when he was 15, he had to start working, so he never finished high school. And he started by sweeping floors and got to a point Um, He was regional sales manager. Is that right, mom? Yeah, My mom's here. I'm very proud. Um, So, and then he went and he started his own business. My dad has a reputation in the business, um, the world, in the sector that he works in, for being a man of integrity because he operates under God's kingdom's um, principles. When he engages with his customers, they know that they can trust his word. They know that if he's in the wrong, he is quick to apologize. But you know, they know that he will always come through and what he says is true. And that's because my dad operates with that kingdom um, in focus, God's kingdom in mind. The staff that work for him are all saved. And he challenges them and holds them accountable for their walk with God all the time. And this is something he has done since as long as I can remember. And I'm nearly 40 And that's what it looks like. You might have talents that are in the business world that doesn't disqualify you from extending God's kingdom in that space because your business gives you access to people and places where you can establish God's kingdom. Your skill might be teaching that gives you access to people who need to hear about God's kingdom. Whatever your skill set is, if you're good at mopping floors, if you're good at sewing things, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're good at, God has designed it. He has given it to you so that his kingdom can be advanced and established because he's given you everything you need already to establish his kingdom. So what are you using your skills to build? Are you building God's kingdom? Are you building your own kingdom? Lastly, our treasure. The same scripture that I mentioned in Exodus um, was the Israelites being called to be of generous heart and give the materials. And what I absolutely love is all the stuff they gave was stuff that the Egyptians gave them because they were so grateful that the Israelites were leaving. They threw a party and they gave them all their wealth to the Israelites. The Israelites were slaves, they didn't have all these fancy materials, um, acacia wood, gold, silver, bronze. What slave has gold? So it was given to them already, and then they gave it back to God. And that's, I really love that, that, that generosity. There were people who had nothing, and when God gives the call for them to give the stuff that they did manage to get for free, they give it generously to the point where there was excess. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8. The point is this. This is God's promise to you. He will always make sure that you have enough because there are good works that he wants you to do to establish his kingdom, and he's given you everything you need to ensure that you can do those things. Rick Warren says there's a connection between generosity and community. Sharing is caring. It's a cliche, but it's not reserved just for two-year-olds when they don't want to share their toys. It's for us. Why? Because when we care, we give. When we catch God's heart for people and his heart for the mission he's given us, we will give because we we share that heart and that love for people. We understand the importance of what God is doing because he's already done it for us, right? And he wants to do it for everybody else. We give because we are grateful, because God has done everything, given us everything, and will provide everything that we need. And because we understand none of this is ours to begin with. None of it is ours. He's the author of time. He's the one who gave you your talents. He is your provision. Even though you've got a job, you have that job because God decided that's the place he wants you. He is the one who uses your job as a conduit for your provision, but the provision still comes from him. And anyone who's had to pray and ask for a job knows this very well, that it is God who grants us these things. I was reminded when looking at this the scripture in Mark 2, when Jesus is looking, he's in the temple and he's watching people give money, and everybody's, all the wealthy are giving money and they're giving lots, and then this little old lady comes up, I assume she's a little old lady, but this lady comes up, she gives two coins, and God says she has given the most because that's all she had. She wasn't giving out of the excess of what she had, she gave everything. When we give, it's not about waiting till we're in a space where we can give from our excess. It's about giving everything we already have because God is worth it, because he deserves it, because the people we are giving to are worth it and because he loves them. And we have a generous heart because we have a generous father. So how are you giving? What are you giving? Again, what are you building towards? God's kingdom or your own as we kind of come towards an end, um, I wanna talk briefly about what keeps us from being generous. And there can be a lot of reasons why we're not generous, but the one I wanna kind of focus on is this um, poverty mentality. So what is a poverty mentality? When I lived in Orange Grove, um, I had a lot of homeless guys who come to my door and ask for th- stuff in general, so I'd give them food. And this one guy in particular, his name was Jacob, and we had a good relationship, um, he was a really good guy. And one night he came to get his food, and in our conversation he was like, no, his friends are waiting for him up on Nui Boita, about a block away. And I was like, well, don't they want food as well? I've got some extra bread that can come. And he's like, no, 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 they can't know that where you are. They're not allowed to know. That's why I told them they must wait for me over there. And I realized it was not my safety and concern Jacob was concerned about. <laughs> Jacob was concerned that the more people who found out that I gave, the more would come, and if the more came, I might stop giving because it would be a nuisance and it might be expensive. So he was protecting his source. And that's what a poverty mentality is. Poverty mentality says there's not enough. When it comes to our time, it sounds like this. Lord, I don't have time to stop for this person. I've got somewhere to be. I need to go do the shopping. I need to fetch the kids. I don't have time. I don't have time to spend with you, Lord, this morning because I'm running late for work and I need to get ready. The irony of it is, I find for myself, because I'm guilty of this, and I find for myself that when I actually make the time to spend with God in the morning, I still actually have time to do all all the other things I need to do to get to work on time. When I make time, I mean, that coffee that I was on my way to when I got interrupted by that lady, um, I was still early for my coffee. (laughs) Despite the fact that I chatted to her, somehow I still arrived there before the other person. Um, When we understand that time is not ours and we become free and and allow God to use our time, God will ensure that you've got enough time to do the things that need to be done. So trust him. When it comes to our talents, it sounds like this. Poverty mentality sounds like this. I'm not enough. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I don't know enough. That's what that looks like. The scripture we read in the beginning said, it is not because of your righteousness. It is not because of the uprightness of your heart that I am doing this. It's because of me, God. Don't disqualify yourself. God calls the unqualified and he qualifies them. If you don't believe me, read your Bible. Read about Moses. Moses was a stutterer. He led the nation. He had to go and talk before Pharaoh. Go read about David. David was a shepherd boy. And he led a nation and he ruled as a king. There are so many stories of the Bible. Gideon and um, Jonah, all of them. God calls the unqualified and he is the one who qualifies you. He knows what you need to be. He knows what you need to know. He's already destined what you need to do. So he knows what you need. And he's given you everything that he needs. For money, it looks like this. It looks like Jacob. Poverty mentality looks like Jacob. There's not enough for my needs. The Bible says in the scripture we read earlier in 2 Corinthians, you will be enriched in every way to be generous. God has given you a promise that you will have everything you need to be generous. So today, our charge is to remember the mission that God has called us to go Not to stay in Eden, but to go into all the world and establish his kingdom, to know him and to make him known. We are called to remember that we live for something beyond just our day-to-day. We were not put on this earth just to be born, live, and then die, or survive and then die. We were actually called to something greater. We were called to remember that we live beyond this life and beyond ourselves and that the charge is to go. So I hope that as we go into this week, we will remember the generosity of our God, that we will remember that we reflect him and that we have a purpose in this life and that as we walk in that purpose, God is able, God is generous enough to ensure that we have what we need. As we kind of draw to a close, I spoke earlier about mission and about the call to go, not just within our spaces, but also to go to the nations, right? Because the nations need us. Tanzania, we were praying for them earlier. They need people. They need leaders. Other nations need people. There is so much out there that God wants us to do. And if you felt a stirring in your heart that you feel like you are called to go, I'd love for you to just stand for us. We'd love to pray over you. I'm going to call um, John to come and pray over you guys. Is there anybody here who feels that core on their life? that you're going to go. It doesn't matter if you don't know where to go. That's okay. God will help you do that. But we want to help and assist you, and we want to bless you as you respond to the call in God's life to go to the nations. So is there anybody who would like to. I
1: really believe that God uh, has put on. There are people here who you know. You know that God has called you in a special way about uh, 50 years ago. Fifty years ago, God put on my heart the call to go. I was 12 years old, memorized the first, the Great Commission for the very first time to go into all the world. And that's why right now I'm in South Africa. God called myself, and later on my wife joined me, and uh, I came from a little island. And out of that little island, God said, go. And I really believe there are some in this room right now that God... You could join Lindsay that God has called and said, yes, you have a special calling. I put my call on your heart to go to the nations to bring my gospel and take this word of the kingdom. And so uh, is there anyone else that would like to join Lindsay and say, yes, Father, I want to, you take me where you want me to go to serve you in the nations. Anyone else before we go on? Thank you, brother. Thank you, bro. Come on up. We want you to come to the front here and we want to pray for you this morning. Ooh. In Matthew, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, the only salt. There is no other salt. You are the light of the world, the only light. There is no other light. God doesn't have a contingency plan to win the nations. He calls each one of us, my brother and my sister. And so we're going to pray. Uh, let's, just, let's just extend our hands to these. Father God, thank you so much for these three who have said, I have decided, Lord Jesus, I want to lay it all down. I give up my own life. I give up my own plans. I give up my own worries, my concerns. I give up what I want to do with my life. And I say, Lord Jesus, would you lead me from this place to where you want me to serve you, to bring your kingdom and your gospel, Father. Whatever nation it is you're calling me to, Father, I just listen to you. And I give myself to prepare and go to that land to bring your gospel. Father, thank you so much that you have called me this morning and that you've called me to go in Jesus' name.